Hi, this is Monica Olivas. I love running, eating, and sharing the best tips and strategies to help you run your best life. It's time to get inspired, do the work, and be brave so you can chase down your goals. Welcome to the Run, Eat, Repeat podcast. The Boston Marathon announced it's officially canceled for 2020, and this has never happened before. But should you even care if you weren't planning on ever running Boston? Yes, because this announcement may have an impact on all the other races for the year. And last week I said I was changing up my long run day to midweek, but I was almost stopped by a gear breakdown. Plus, we have announcements and awards, so let's get started with the warm up. First, I want to say something about the things going on in the United States right now. I don't have words to express how horrified and heartbroken I feel about the deaths of Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd. I don't want to get into it in detail. I've realized from speaking with family and friends close to me, and we have been talking a lot, that I am not in a good enough place to communicate or contribute anything with any sort of grace. But I do want to say something about it and say that I am anti-racist and that if that is a problem, we don't have to be friends. This isn't a political thing. It's right from wrong. It is basic human decency. And yeah, I just think I can't, I I just can't say anything gracefully right now. Um, And I do think that it's important though, to be kind and curious to each other and to yourself and just kind of examine what you believe and how you're expressing what you believe. And it definitely does start at home. I think that it has been a very unique situation when the stay at home order went into place and I moved into my parents' back house. And now I'm here with my parents and my two brothers and my sister-in-law and nieces. We have this kind of bigger than normal immediate family quarantine. And it has given us the opportunity to all talk about these things that are going on. And we all have these very different ways of expressing how we feel and supporting it publicly and privately. And we all have different experiences personally with racism. And I just think that if there is if you find yourself in a teachable moment for someone around you or for yourself to just like be a lighthouse, hopefully you're better than me and you can communicate with kindness and grace and just be a good example. Yeah. I just, I think I realized too that I've been in enough therapy. I've read enough self-help books. I've just tried to do so much work on myself that I realize everyone processes trauma and grief differently. And just to like allow grace for that in that what you are posting or not posting or what the people you are following 
are posting or not posting isn't necessarily a representation either way of how they treat people. And that's like really the most important thing. I just want to go on record with that. Like that is just like the most basic thing. And I know that there are, I'm not an expert on this on any level. I do not pretend to be, but I know that if you want to become more informed, more educated, or know how you can support the cause, I'll put some resources in the show notes on runitrepeat.com if you want to check it out there. But again, I know that there are much better sources of information and resources than me. But if that is just kind of a, a way in which you feel comfortable getting info, I will put links in the show notes so that you can check it out there. And there's really no graceful way to change topics. So I'm not going to try to say anything smooth to transition. I just wanted to share an update on my long runs because I had said the last episode that I was changing my long run to midweek. And while it seems very insignificant, like, okay, what's the big deal changing a run a couple of days, one way or another on a schedule, when you have done something for so long, it's just like part of your routine. It's almost automatic. I just know on a Saturday morning, I wake up before the sun and I start getting ready to go either do a long run or race because I did before the coronavirus do a lot of half marathons. Like if there was one within driving distance, I was going to be doing it. And really, I mean, I feel like the coronavirus hasn't impacted so many different aspects of running and racing, which is one of the things that we're going to talk about in the main event with the Boston Marathon. But in terms of paths being closed, like trails, all of those things, restrooms, water fountains, all of this has had a definite big impact on my training. I'm just kind of sharing an update. There have actually been two recent foils in my attempt at a solid long run. And I have really have been trying to get in a good long run. I just feel like I've needed it for confidence and self-esteem and the endorphins of it. So before this midweek run on my previous long run, I had planned to do an out and back route, stopping back at my car to get some hydration. I've been using noon lately. I'm a huge fan. And when I came back to my car, I was at 13 and a half miles. I just, I was trying to hit between 15 and 16 it was hot. I was probably just going to hit 15 at that point. So I just needed like two miles, mile and a half more, but I get to my car to get something to drink and my back passenger side tire is flat, completely flat. I love a flat running route. I love a flat race. I love a flat pancake. I do not love a flat tire. And I've had a slow leak in another one of my tires for a while. So the fact that I even noticed it because I was ignoring that one for a long time, I don't know if even purposely, or I just like, I'm not very observant, but 
a while back, my brother pointed out that my tire was flat and I was like, oh, I'm used to a semi-flat tire is basically what I'm saying. This was completely flat. And at that point, done. I am done with my long run because I'm just like, I'm thinking I need to figure this out. I need to get this fixed and get out of here because I just am trying to, it, it just, it was, it was psychological and it was also, I had tried to, and I have been trying to get out and run very early, beat the heat, beat the crowds. And I was like, okay, you need to take care of this. So that run ended very abruptly. Luckily I was able to call AAA. They put my spare on. I got home. It was fine. It was fine, but I was definitely bummed out that I didn't hit my goal mileage because that has been kind of this back and forth struggle as I have been trying to navigate running routes and hydration and bathroom situations during the pandemic. I'm in Southern California. A lot of things have been closed. So, and then even when something is reopened, the restrooms and water fountains are not open. Now, finally, one of the pads that I like to run, the restrooms are open, but I'm actually not sure if the water fountains are on. I wouldn't use them even if they were just because I'm trying to limit what I'm touching. And obviously that just is too much of a risk. If I can just do an out and back or carry my hydration and refill back at my car, I think that that's better to do. I don't know if this is common. I'm actually curious now that I'm thinking about it. I living in Southern California, we don't turn off the water, like public water fountains, or even at your house. I don't know if you do this at your house, if you're going on vacation, but I've listened to another podcast where they were talking about like turning off the pipes in the winter because the water freezes, it breaks the pipes. This is not a thing for us here. So it's just very funny that I feel like if I were to say like, oh, I don't know if the water fountains are back on, it could be just because of winter. No, that would just, that's not our winter here. Anyways, I was foiled in that long run. And then this last week, I set out to do my long run on Thursday. And I have done all of the things in advance. Like I tried to make sure I was fueling well. I was hydrated. It is getting warm here. I had hydration that I was going to take with me. I knew the route that I was going. I had woke up early. Like I had done all of the things to get in a really good long run. And I'm about to leave. And I realized if you follow me on Instagram at Runny Repeat, I think I did this in the Instagram stories as I was about to leave because I was like, oh, what do I even do? I go to put on my running watch. That's a GPS watch. It tells me my mileage and pace. And the little thing that holds down the strap, not the buckle, but the piece past the buckle that holds the extra material or strap length holds it down is missing, which just was very random and surprising. I didn't notice that it was either breaking or stretching too much. It hadn't fallen off by accident leading up to this. And I don't feel like it's ever happened before. I feel like I have 
broken a running watch strap in another way in the past because I remember having to get a replacement a long time ago. But that was another watch. It was another lifetime. This hasn't happened. And I did not know what to do. So first I was like, maybe I could just go without it. It was flapping around. Nope. I thought maybe I could tape it down. Nope. That didn't work. Maybe in part because at this point, the watch is like covered in just grossness of sweat from years and miles past. And also my hands, like I slapped on sunblock. Nothing was going to really stay or it was going to be, I didn't have duct tape. I just had masking tape. It was not going to stay. I tried to pull my sleeve down to hold it down. Right now, anyways, even though it's warm here, I have been wearing long sleeve. I try to wear long sleeve as much as possible, especially for long runs, just to limit my sun exposure where I can. I'm very, very light. I do not know why. This is just how I was born. My family doesn't look like this. So... I have just, that's what I have to do. If not, I will just turn into a freckle or get majorly sunburned. Um, so I try to be mindful of that. But I pull my sleeves up to like just below my elbow. And I realized that the sleeve, it wasn't going to be tight enough to really hold it down. And I would just want to pull it up. Like when I'm running 15 miles, like I just want that little bit makes a difference to me. I don't know why. And because of though, what had happened the previous week, I was like, no, no, like you were not going to have some sort of outside factor stop you at this point. I was just super determined. So I just decided to put it in my running belt and run with it there. I knew my pace wouldn't be accurate, but as long as it told me the distance, I just wanted to get in freaking 15 miles just to know like, yes, you could still run 15 miles. <laughs> Everything else, like just do not let it stop you. Be determined, never give up. And I did it. Very happy to say I ran the 15 miles. I used to be able to run. I used to run 16 miles every weekend. I act like this is like a thousand years ago. It wasn't that long ago, but I feel like psychologically, especially because of all of the obstacles that have happened, just like not even with the tire, but recently with the coronavirus and paths being closed and trying to figure out how to, how and where to go to the bathroom along a route when things are closed, there have just been a lot of obstacles. And I was like, I cannot, I cannot deal with one more and I think it was just this kind of bigger feeling of like perseverance that I was like, I need to make this happen. And I am very proud of myself that I did. It did feel weird on Saturday morning to not be setting out for a long run. I think I ended up running eight miles on Saturday. And it just felt, it did feel weird. I do think that describing it as feeling sort of jet lagged is a good way of saying it where it was just like, why am I tired on Friday, but fresh as a daisy on Saturday, even though is jet lag just tired? I thought it is kind of like, yeah, maybe it's not jet lagged. Maybe it is. I don't even know. Anyways, I did it and I'm proud of myself. And I love that 
so many people chimed in, letting me know when they did their long run. A lot of people, because I shared on Insta stories, like I said, just replied to my Insta story when I was like, when is your long run? Chime in on my post. People just DM'd me and said when their long run was. But I, I find all of this stuff very interesting. And I will share, because I know I'm going to get questions about this, the running belt and the watch that was tucked into that belt. Oh, this is what I wanted to say. So (laughs) I did the Insta story like, oh no, I'm going to be foiled in the morning. And then I just decided to put in my belt, get out the door, do the long run. After my run, I came back to a ton of people saying, use a little rubber band. Like if you have a tiny rubber band, that will work right now. And that's what I've been using. And it works great. And I might just keep it like that. Like, why am I going to try to order an extra little piece when this is totally working and effective. I do have smaller rubber bands for when I do braids and stuff. Um, so yeah, if you're ever in the same situation, I'll put pictures in the show notes of how I put the rubber band on. Now at this point, I hope you are super freaking warmed up and just ready to sprint, get in a tempo, do some repeats, something, because that was quite the lengthy warm up. And I hope that you are rocking your run Now let's get into the main event. So the Boston Marathon has been canceled for 2020. And even if you're not a marathon runner, maybe you don't plan on trying to qualify for Boston, this may still have an impact on tons of other races for this year. I was definitely surprised and disappointed when I heard that Boston was canceled, even though I wasn't registered this year. So I wasn't planning on running the race, but I do think that the cancellation of this race specifically will impact tons of other full and half marathons all around the country this year. So in case you haven't been following along, the Boston marathon was originally scheduled for April 20th. Every year it is on Patriots Day, but when the coronavirus started to spread faster than does Linden, the race was postponed until September 14th. And I had spoken with a couple of friends in the running community that I think have a better finger on the pulse. They're friends with race directors and major race sponsors. They seemed skeptical that the race would actually go on in September. But I thought personally, if any race can do it, it would be Boston. This race has been, it's never been canceled in 124 years. The only thing that, the only time that it's ever been even changed was, and I looked this up because I was like, has this ever even happened before? This is the first time the race has been canceled. The only other time it's been even just kind of adapted was in 1918 is the only time that it hasn't been just like a normal race. And that was during World War I. And they ended up doing a military relay. But outside of that, in all different weather conditions, all different social situations, this race has been held for 124 years. That is just 
it, I, I just think it is significant. It really says something. It is the world's oldest annual marathon. And if it just seems like it is run like such a well-oiled machine, like a military operation. I saw a while back and I highly recommend the Boston Marathon documentary. It came out in 2017. It is narrated by Matt Damon, which I am a huge fan. Wink, wink. I wish there was like a wink sound effect I could have put in right there, but I'm a fan. We can talk about that another time because I'll go off on a tangent. But that Boston Marathon documentary talks a lot about the history of the race, like these uh, kind of like the legendary stories and the actual legends of these legendary people that have run the race or have these awesome stories. The first, the first woman, just uh, someone that cheated one time, like it just is very, very interesting. And it also shows some of the behind the scenes of actually putting this race together and all of the people, all of the security and police and safety measures and employees and volunteers that it takes to make this huge race a success. For reference, there are over 30,000 runners that show up to run the Boston Marathon. And they estimate about a half a million spectators. So it's also one of the largest marathons in the country. And that alone, so that many runners in ideal conditions is a challenge in terms of logistics and safety and keeping everything running smoothly, keeping everyone safe. That right there. Huge, huge project. I feel like that is an understatement. But there is a couple of extra challenges for Boston. And this is also applicable to the New York City Marathon in that this is a point-to-point course, which means that the race starts 26.2 miles away from the finish line. So everyone starts way out in Hopkinton, Massachusetts. I don't know if I'm saying that word right. I feel like um, I'm not super familiar with some names of cities, obviously in New England when I'm in my bubble over here. But anyways, correct me if I'm wrong because I, I want to be able to pronounce things. Anyways, the race starts outside of the city And that means that race organizers need to get 30,000 people way out there. Most people, especially if you're from out of town, are staying in the city. And what ends up happening is they bus people to the start line. So even before you are all herded together in starting corrals, we're all put on buses together, squished in you know, literally shoulder to shoulder touching, getting excited, just like breathing in the same oxygen. It's just not a social distancing friendly situation, even before the race starts. And the logistics of that alone 
are huge to get all of these people to a location over 20 miles away, let alone try to get them there without squishing everyone together. There's just no way that you could maintain social distancing in this situation. Also, once you get to kind of the starting line vicinity, it's often a couple of hours before the race starts. So you are hanging out for hours at a time. You're making friends. People talk to each other. You're trying to rest, not expend too much energy. You need to fuel and use porta potties. And so if you think about that in terms of using a porta potty, we often do not have the best hand washing stations, especially when we are being told you need to wash your hands for 20 seconds, sing happy birthday twice with soap and water. And when there are 30,000 people trying to use porta potties and sinks, and you want people to kind of be moving in and out as quickly as possible, that's not, that's like strike three at that point. And then, like I mentioned, because you're waiting for the race, you need extra fuel. Oftentimes, and this is a such a common topic and something that we could talk about another day in terms of details and challenges. But when you are used to running very early or timing up your fuel perfectly for when you eat before a race and you're running a race like Boston or New York, where you're going to end up hanging out at the start line for a couple hours. So the race actually doesn't start until, or at least your starting time isn't until 11 AM. And you're trying to figure out from when you wake up to like when you first would eat to ideally when you would eat before you start running, that's a whole other thing. But what I'm trying to get at is you don't have ideal hand-washing situations. You are most likely going to have to eat. You might be reapplying sunblock, chapstick, wiping your face because you're sweaty. Literally, so you're hanging out in the starting line area. It's not the starting line area. I forget what it's called. I know there's a, a specific name that they call it, but... And there's also one for New York, but pre-race, everyone's hanging out and then they call the different corrals and they are scattered so that, or staggered so that it is like a half an hour, I think in between each one, while you're waiting, you're sitting around, they call your corral. So then you get up, walk to the actual starting line. And then you're really, and more literally, corralled and herded together into the more specific time that you're assigned on your bib. You were literally shoulder to shoulder, squished in with everybody because the porta potty lines are long. I feel like the porta potties, because there's a whole other set of them as you get to the actual starting line. I don't even remember because I took pictures of this, but I don't even remember if there were hand washing stations there. But either way, it's not social distance. And then once the race starts, it takes a while for the crowd to thin out. So you are running fairly closely to people for a few miles, which means you are breathing heavily, very close to other people, which is another 
not ideal social distance situation. Yeah. So I just think there were so many factors going into just the realities of 30,000 people running a race and literally not having the space or resources necessary to make sure that everyone has six feet of social distance, has plenty of room to wash their hands, is able to get to the starting line way away from the finish line outside of the city. Just so many things that I understand why it wouldn't have been able to be done safely. I felt like, and like I said, if anyone could do it, it would be the Boston Marathon. They just seem like such a well-oiled machine. And I do think that other races take their cues. So if they would have figured out how to do it, other races could have used that as a guide. Maybe New York will be able to do it, New York in November. But again, with the added challenge of New York also being a point-to-point course where you could take a bus or you could take the ferry, but you're still there are still thousands of people. And I'm pretty sure that actually the number of runners in New York is more than in Boston. So it's that many more people. And then you have all of the crowds, like the crowds in the spectators for these races is unlike anything. And I have run over 30 full marathons, over 60 half marathons. The crowds in New York and Boston are unlike anywhere else that I've ever run. And that is because they are packed. Like every inch of that 26.2 miles is like three people deep, sometimes more screaming. And it's magical and powerful. There's nothing like it. It is awesome. If you were going to run one marathon in your life, I recommend one of these races for that reason. But I also think that in taking into consideration the public safety of the health of the spectators should be a factor and a priority. So it really sucks. I understand it, but I just was like hoping that Boston would figure it out so that all the other races, even if I wasn't traveling to a race this year, that a local race could, you know, kind of model all of the precautions and safety factors after, you know, another super well-established machine like the Boston Athletic Association and kind of go from there. And so if you have some sort of inside scoop, please contact me. Let me know what your thoughts are. If you can tell the future, also contact me. Let me know. What do you project? Because I just was really surprised by that. And I just thought it does have, it does it will have an impact on a lot of other races. I feel like since then there have been a lot of other races that have officially said they are canceled or I mean, whatever you want to call it said that they're transitioning to being a virtual race this year, which ultimately I think is a positive way of saying canceled, you know? And if that is the case, speaking of positive to put a positive spin on this, if you are we're going to run Boston or another race that has now been changed to virtual, or you are wanting to run a virtual race, you're in luck because the two previous episodes were all about virtual races. I did them before this Boston marathon announcement. Uh, so 
that's good because those are already out. It is the two episodes right before this that is first about how to train for a virtual race that is legit training, you know, being able to really push yourself and be well prepared, and then how to have the best possible virtual race where you are really rocking it. You get the best performance out of yourself. You push yourself. You could PR in a virtual race, you know? So check those out. If you need some extra tips and suggestions, I will put links in the show notes at runningrepeat.com to both of those episodes. So you can check them out. Now, moving forward, moving forward faster. This is kind of a unique time for running and racing. I get it. If you have any suggestions for topics to cover, or if you have any questions about running, eating, repeating, why I bought two of the exact same shirt, basically, uh, you can ask me. You can DM me on Instagram at runny repeat, or you can email me runny repeat at gmail.com. And I will put that in the show notes as well. So that if you are running right now, you don't have to try and memorize it. Now, give it one last push because it's time for the awards. First place goes to TV shows that post their audio as podcasts. Today, I have been listening to The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. That's what they call it, Ears Edition. I appreciate. In the back house setup, I don't have a TV right now. So if I want to watch something, I will watch it on my computer. But it means I'm watching a lot less TV because usually I would watch TV while I was also working on the computer and it's hard to do both. So I feel like I'm just watching a lot less of some of the things that I appreciate, which is why I really love another reason that I have loved for a long time, but even more so now appreciate podcasts that are like fun show recaps because I want to know what's going on, but I'm not really going to end up watching the show and, or just when they use the audio as a podcast so that I can catch up. There's, it's not perfect. Sometimes there are obviously like visual things going on that I'm missing out of that he'll make a reference to. And it kind of makes me want to stop and like, look up the clip. Most of the time I don't. I actually haven't once yet, but I know I will eventually, but I appreciate a good multitask situation. And I think that when there is an entertaining show that is just posting their audio so I can listen to it, I appreciate. Second place, actually, to undermine my first place, (laughs) even when I am watching something, it is at the end of the night where I've said, okay, stop using the computer as a computer and just watch something as I wind down. I've been watching New Girl. I try to, or at least appreciate watching something that is very like easy, breezy, bubblegum, Britney Spears, not super heavy or serious towards the end of the night as I, so I can like fall asleep to it. And so right now that's New Girl, which I think is super random, but I have went through, actually it's debatable how much of the office 
and how much of Parks and Rec I ended up watching. I think I watched all of both of those shows, every single episode. But the reality is that I probably watched every other episode because I would put it on, I would watch an episode, and then I would fall asleep every time in the second episode of the night. But I felt like I I just like, yeah, falling asleep to something that's kind of easy breezy. It's my little bedtime story. And lately it's been New Girl. I watched the first episode of, so New Girl got second place. I watched, and I kind of want to talk about it, actually, just like randomly to someone that's seen it, because I don't get the whole Jess and Nick situation, like why that is such a love story. Side note, I watched the first episode of Gossip Girl. It was like suggested on Netflix, and I thought it was so good. But I realized that it's more of an hour-long show versus you know, these other shows like New Girl, The Office are 22 minutes long or something. I think Gossip Girl is like 45. And it just is a little heavier. Like you kind of have to be paying attention more. So that might work its way in to my next series need, The Void in My Heart. Yeah. Let me know if you have any opinions on any of that. Third place goes to cherries. They're in season. Get them fast. It's a short season. I have even seen them at the 99 cent store for 99 cents a pound. Usually things that are a little like higher priced at the grocery store are also higher priced at the 99, AKA my favorite store. They were 99 cents the last time I went. I had to show some amount of restraint not to buy all of it, just to get a cart, fill up the entire cart and just make myself sick. I have no self-control when it comes to, I mean, definitely watermelon, but also cherries. So just a heads up, if you have been in La La Land, hope you're having a good time there, but also make sure you get some cherries before the season is gone. You'll find information on today's episode, plus training plans, recipes, and more on runnyrepeat.com. Please tag at Running Repeat on Instagram and let me know what you're doing right now while listening. And if you have another minute, please leave a review for the show or tell a friend about it. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great run. Bye.